Good evening again, everybody. Today we are in part 25 of our study of the book of John. And um, we are totally grateful to God for all that he's doing, all, all the teaching that happened last week, the week before, and the week before last, you know. And, um, yeah, we, we thank God even for the Sunday services, you know, the first Sunday, the second Sunday was fantastic, you know. And at those times, I just feel like maybe going to Cape Town or something, another location, I just focus there, you know, because we are fine here. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Actually, I'm thinking of that. I'm praying about it. Don't tell Sunday people, okay? <laughs> Just for, for us, you know. Because Cape Town is a lot of focus and work right now. Okay. Um, you are not smiling. <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> okay, okay. It was not a joke, but take it as a joke. Do we all have the outline? We all have the outline. Um... um the open section of the outline, the open section of the outline says that if you could have lunch with any person alive in the world today, who would that be? Anyone alive today on earth, if you could have lunch with the person, who would that be? Just you and the person over lunch, you know. One hour lunch, maybe. Who would that be? Who wants to go? Okay, there's a hand there. Um, think of, some of us are doing this. I think about those kind of things. I don't know. Yes, yeah. Oh. Um, good evening, everyone. Good evening. In no particular order, there are actually three people. Um, number one, uh, Seth Godin. Seth Godin. For me, he's like, he's too wise. I, <laughs> I like that guy. Um, that's just uh, number one. Number two, Asan Wenga. I think he's a eh? very... Yeah. Wait, he's wait, a wait, very wait, graceful. wait. Let's stop, let's stop at Seth Godin. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you don't know Seth, he's some um, think tank guy that does a lot of work in leadership, marketing, and I've, I've read it. I have a lot of his books. And um, just Google him, and um, you can follow his blog. He has this concise piece that he sends out consistently. Yeah. As in Wenga. Okay, let, let, let's hear, let's hear, let's hear. Think not for the football part. I think he's a graceful man, and I've read all his. He's a graceful man. Yeah. Okay. All his uh, interviews that deals with life and other stuff is just too deep. Yeah. And then the third person is Benjamin Netanyahu. I think he's the smartest leader. Uh, right Political now. leader. <laughs> Followed closely by Putin. If my, I mean, some people will argue with me that Putin, how can you even say Putin? I'm not saying I like his policies. I'm saying the guy uses his brain. There are two different things. In fact, Jesus tells us to learn from such people. Anyway, don't let's get into international politics. Let's stay on course. Okay, so maybe one more person. 
Who will it be? Okay, okay, maybe two more people. Okay, yes. One, yeah. Pastor Femi Monahin. Eh? <laughs> Just one person on earth. Lunch. Me? Yeah. Okay, you have it. You have it. <laughs> Pick a date. I will go out. Who else? Okay, yes. Um, Bill Gates. Bill Gates. I, I admire him not just for his business leadership, but how he's been able to apply those principles into philanthropy. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, not many people are able to, to transition, you know, from being successful to being significant. You know, there are several levels of existence. There's, you know, survival, success, Significant. So, most people hit success and they never transition. Bill Gates is someone that transitioned gracefully and, I mean, he's living a significant heritage. It's amazing. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. 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 So, that's it. So, and just think about it. Our text is John chapter 15, verse 1 to 27. John 15, 1 to 27. I read. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they, can, they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have spoken to you, given to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed or cut off from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as my father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life 
for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a slave, a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. I've confided in you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruits so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. <laughs> this is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to him, to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me. For they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come. And spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them, then no one else, that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me. And my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate. The spirit of truth. Again, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amazing how God thinks of things. He will come to you from the father. And will testify about me. All about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so this passage of scriptures, I mean, it's so super loaded that God will help us today in Jesus' name. The parts we, we don't touch or do justice to, please go home and um, continue the study. John chapter, chapters 15, 16, and 17 actually contains Jesus' final intimate, word, intimate words to his disciples as they made their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So if you, if you read 15, 16, 17 together, you know, it contains Jesus' final words. It was, he always spoke from his heart, but you see, when a man knows he's going to die, how it speaks, 
will be very different from, you know, when he's just living and speaking. So at this point, Jesus was on his way to Gethsemane and he began to speak from his heart to his disciples. When we look at verse 1, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, we, we can actually stay all evening in, in, in verse 1 because if you look at verse 1, it kind of captures everything about the work with God, who Jesus is, who the Father is, how the relationship is. Jesus says, I am the grapevine. Now, um, for us, the grapevine is, is, the, is, is the plant that produces grapefruit. So, um, we don't have a lot of that in, in this part of the world, you know. But I'm sure a lot of us here, we are educated enough to picture what the grapevine looks like and, and, and the fruit, you know, that comes from, that comes from it. So, Jesus' time, Jesus's time and different other parts of the world, that fruit is very crucial to the economy. The production of wine, in, 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 in their commerce, export, and all that. And, and Jesus is saying, using the, the grapevine as an example, that I am the grapevine, and my father is the gardener. The grapevine is a plant that is heavily dependent on the gardener, on the wine dresser. The grapevine is a, is a plant that is heavily dependent on the vine dresser. You see, there are certain plants that if you plant them, just water and take away the pest and, and, and you know, everything that can attack it. The plant itself is a survival. It, it just grows and produces. The grapevine is not like that. The, the grapevine is heavily dependent on the, the vine dresser, on the gardener. And Jesus was saying, the same way I am totally dependent on my father, the grapevine is dependent on, on the vine dresser for three main things. For propping, because the grape vine is not sturdy enough to stand by itself. So if you leave the grape vine by itself, it falls on the ground, the branches comes out, the fruits are cluttered, it doesn't produce maximum yield. So, the, the trunk is not like the trunk of the Iroko tree, for instance, that can stand by itself. So, it needs the gardener for propping. So, they, they do ropes, I mean, kilometers sometimes of wires, you know, and they lift up the, the, the gardener will lift up the, the, the grapevine and like kind of tie it to it so that it can stand and on and on and on. If you put up the, the first uh, diagram, you know, just to help us visually. Yeah, so you see there, if you look closely, you will see that there, there is a propping, which, can you see those sticks interval, at intervals? Then 
those sticks at the intervals, then connecting them will be wires. Because the grapevine cannot stand by itself. So Jesus was saying, I can't stand by myself. I need the Father's support. I need the Father's propping. I need all the infrastructure of heaven to support me. And he's saying to us, likewise, you cannot stand without me. We are going to get there. You can't stand without me. I'm showing you that I am dependent on the Father. You are dependent on me. If you think you are not dependent on me, it's just a function of time. You are going to wither. That's what Jesus was saying to us. Praise the name of the Lord. He pulled up the... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, that's what Jesus... You can, you can insert the picture if you, if, you are, um, if you love the beautiful ashes background so much. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, it needs the vine dresser for propping. It needs the vine dresser for pruning. Pruning is a process whereby a branch that is fruitful is trimmed so that it can be more fruitful. And it also needs the vine dresser for cutting. So the, the, the vine has some branches that are not going to be fruitful. So those branches, they are going to clog up space and affect the yield. So the vine dresser takes his time to examine every branch and cut off the branches that are not fruitful. And that's why verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. And if you bring up diagram 2, the second diagram. <laughs> so you see if Jesus is the vine, the believer is the branch, or believers are the branches, the fruit that the believer produced is by the power of the Holy Spirit. However, the fruits don't grow on the vine. The fruits only grow on the branches. The vine needs the vine dresser the branches need the vine. And the fruit need, by implication, or by inference, needs the, the branches. So if, you, if we look at verse 1 again, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes. Can you see? He cuts off. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So, when a life is not fruitful, the life is at risk even from God. You know, when a life is not fruitful, a life, that life is at risk. And the same share, that's what the scissors-like sharp um, object that is used for pruning, the same share that is used for 
cutting is the same share that is used for pruning. Everybody will experience the clipping. Some so that they can produce much more and some so that God can take them out of the way. I pray that for everybody here so that we can produce much more (laughs) in Jesus' name. So we see that fruitfulness is a big deal with God. Fruitfulness is a super big deal with God. With God, it's not enough that you are saved. You have to bear fruit. God is saying, Jesus is saying, you have to bear fruit. That is how you can be my disciples indeed. If you're a Christian, you don't bear fruit. Jesus is saying, there's a question mark somewhere and we have to fix it. So you cannot, and you see, the, the, the challenge, what I've seen in church, I mean, folks you know, in church is, is that we want to be fruitful in our minds. As in, uh, we have a mental ascent. We agree to fruitfulness. We, we like to be fruitful. But, you see, we don't commit to fruitfulness and do the things that God requires for us to be fruitful many times. And the key to fruitfulness is faithfulness. The key to fruitfulness is faithfulness. When you are faithful in little, much more will be committed to you. So you cannot be fruitful if you are not faithful. That's how it works. That's how it works. You know, I was listening to um, a pastor. What's his name? The pastor of um, ah, this church in New York. That is very is known for their choir. Brooklyn Tabernacle. <laughs> yeah. Their choir is amazing. I mean, their style. You know? Brooklyn Tabernacle. I was listening to the, to the pastor and Simbala. And it was Pastor Simbala. And he was saying how he was speaking to a younger pastor. Brooklyn Tabernacle is doing amazing things for God. It's a great church. And the younger pastor was saying to him that <laughs> all those useless people in his church, those people are very useless. You can't even tell them to come at a certain time. And he was talking down his people like trash. So Pastor Simon said to him that <laughs> if you keep talking to, about them like this, he says, Pastor Simon should listen that these people are actually very useless. <laughs> and they are just a handful Less than 40 people, non-committal, useless people. Pastor Simbala said, if you, and you want God, how do I get a church like Brooklyn? Pastor says, no, no, no. If you, if you, have, you have to be faithful with the people God has given you. If you are faithful with little, God will multiply it. The people that came to David when he was running from Saul, the Bible described them as people that were in debt, vagabonds, people that were depressed, people that family rejects. Those were David's guys when they started. By the time they ended, the Bible described them as mighty men of war. David changed their lives to become great and God 
promoted David. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to clap. So, so, you have to be faithful. Love your life group. Love your fellowship. Love the people you are leading. Love them. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. They are incorrigible. Love them. When you love them and you serve them and you are faithful, what, God, what happens is that heaven, divine dresser, is actively involved with his church. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. That don't think God is aloof. God is actually actively involved and is watching the branch that is bringing fruit, is pruning so that it can bring more fruit. The one that is useless is cutting off and all that and all that and all that. And God will bring the fruitfulness by his spirit. When we look at areas of fruitfulness, you know, you can have, I've seen folks talk about seven areas of fruitfulness. Some people have 21 areas of fruitfulness. Some people have five areas of fruitfulness. But I kind of distilled it down to, 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 five, to three. And these three, in fact, we are still going to distill it down to just one. But we are going to see how these three are like bedrock. Are, it's not that the other seven, 25 are not necessary. They are, those ones are like foundation for fruitfulness. A lot of them are like foundation for fruitfulness. So the first area of fruitfulness for a believer is in our character, the fruit of the spirit, the character of the believer, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, love, patience, perseverance. If you have a Christian that doesn't have the fruit of the spirit, the Christian is not fruitful. Christian, I can't show love. It's not full of joy. Joy is a, is a full of the is a fruit of the spirit. Number two, areas of fruitfulness will be soul winning. Soul winning. Number three, that is leading people to Christ, helping them grow in God. Sometimes it's helping somebody's marriage become stronger. Sometimes it's helping somebody's child become more stable. You're winning that soul. And number three is in good works. Is in good works. Loving, the Bible says, prioritizing your love for the people of, of the household of faith. Loving the people in church. Loving the people in your life group. Loving the people you do life with. Then, Extending it outside. Charity begins at home. Extending it outside. Loving the poor. Loving the people in prison. Visiting those in the hospital. I mean, doing good works. Those are key, three key areas you have to be fruitful. So when we talk about fruitfulness, you should think in those three areas. But however, the crux of fruitfulness, if you have to distill it to one, is so winning. It's so winning. The crux of fruitfulness is so winning. In the middle, right there. Why? Because to be fruitful is to reproduce after one's kind. To be fruitful, when you're mature, any creature becomes mature when they are able to reproduce. Plant, animals, human beings, at the time they are able to reproduce, they, they become mature. So, and to reproduce is to bring forth after your own kind. So, 
the crux of fruitfulness is soul winning, winning people to God, helping people stand with God, helping marriages grow strong, helping people succeed in their businesses in God's will, helping people be baptized in the Holy Spirit, helping people understand scriptures. That is the crux. Why? Because if you look at character, the fruit of the Spirit, the end of the fruit of the Spirit is to win people to God. Why are you full of joy, love, patience, perseverance, and all that? All that? What if you are really full of the fruit of the Spirit, you will, your life will attract people to God? True or false? That's the crux. If you look at good works, it's the same thing. When you take care of the poor, when you are there in the community, where we do everything for 50, for instance, the, I mean, people are like, which church is this? We have people that are Muslims that are like, forget the fact that I'm a Muslim. The God you are serving is the living God. I kid you not. We have it on... on, on <laughs> and when you do good works, it all still points and leads to soul winning. So the crux of fruitfulness is soul winning. The fish does not give birth to snails. The monkey does not give back to tortoise. <laughs> and the lion does not give birth to dogs. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so having character and good works without producing is actually barrenness. Having character and good works without producing souls is not changing anybody's life. It's spiritual barrenness. So the question is, how fruitful have I been? I ask myself. This question you need to ask yourself. Because a lot is tied to your fruitfulness. God is big on fruitfulness. God is so big on fruitfulness. It's unbelievable. How fruitful have you been? Look at your neighbor and ask, how fruitful have you been? <laughs> That's a sober question. It wasn't, it's not, it's not, it wasn't asked confidently because you yourself that you're asking. You're asking yourself that same question. How fruitful have you been? How fruitful have you been? How many people will say because of you? And sometimes it's, it's not people you verbally, I mean, you should, conv- you should evangelize and, and, and have it actual people that you lead to Christ. But however, there are some people that you will get to heaven and they will tell you, I was watching you from a distance because of how you did business, because of how you carried yourself in, at work. You know, my life was changed. That's fruitfulness. Praise the name of the Lord. If you look at verse 3, it says, this thing called pruning, how Jesus does pruning, it says, you have already been pruned, cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. So, whenever you open yourself to teachings of Jesus, you are being cleansed, you are being pruned, you are going to be more fruitful. You are walking out of here, going to be more fruitful in the name of Jesus. Because of the words I have spoken to you. And verse 4 goes on to say, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce 
<laughs> and this is, this is huge. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. It, it, you see, so it took the time to show how he was connected to the vine dresser, to the father, and how he and the father are, are not, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the relationship if it cannot be severed. And he's saying the same way, the relationship between us and him cannot be severed. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now this is Jesus on his way to get the money. Those who remain in me. In other words, not everybody will remain in Christ. And I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. Apart from me, you, 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 you will do average things. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. So, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So, the branch can only have one vine. But the vine can have many branches. The branch can only have how many vines? One vine. But the vine can have many branches. The branch that says, I want to connect to this vine, and I want to connect to this vine. <laughs> it's, it's a disconnected vi- branch. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. So, which brings us back, you see, because there are always on earth, there's a local expression of the body of Christ, which is the local church. So the question is, where is your church? Where are you planted? Oh, I, I, I attend, um, I, I go there, I'm planted here, and I'm planted there also. <laughs> really? <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that. The church is the body of Christ. You have to be planted somewhere. So ask your neighbor, where are you planted? <laughs> okay, some, I, I've noticed some people, you're ignoring the other neighbor. It's only one neighbor. It says every time it's the same neighbor. The other neighbor is feeling jealous. So yeah, turn to the other neighbor too and ask, <laughs> where are you planted? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> In verse 6, in verse 6, I mean, this is a very tough reality. It says, anyone who, does not, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile and burned. Tough reality. It speaks for itself. By the time we get to verse 7, we look at verse 7 and 16 together. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Hallelujah. You will be so powerful when you are fruitful. Jesus is saying you'll be so powerful. Verse 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and Produce lasting fruit, fruit that remain, fruit that abides, so that 
the Father will give you whatever. What does whatever mean? What does whatever mean? It is whatever. It is whatever. You ask using my name. And that using my name is not appending the name of Jesus to a statement. You know, I mean, so you pray, you have to add in Jesus' name. Then I've used the name of Jesus. Yes and no. If it's not with using his authority, that his name, it's just like saying, present my business card. When you get to this gate, show my business card, they will let you in. So you get to the gate, they show you the business card, they check the back, they see you signed at the back. They said, come in. You are not coming in in your name. You are coming in the name of the person that gave you the business card. So when you are praying in the name of Jesus means that in your consciousness and in the fullness of your, of your mind, you know you are coming in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And what will happen to the gate? Boom! Lifted up. Why? Because I have not come in my name. Come in his name. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. It's beautiful. Totally. So you are as powerful as you are fruitful. The more fruitful you are, the more powerful you become. The more souls you bring to God, the more spiritual clout you have. The more people that are on their way to eternity with God on your account or there's a contribution from you, the more you're able to decree things in the spiritual and they happen in the physical. Praise the name of the Lord. How many people want to be able to decree things in the spiritual and they happen in the physical? Let me see your hands up. Let me see your hands up. If I, my hands and my legs are... Up, <laughs> you know, and Jesus is saying this is the way to spiritual clout. Have you noticed? I mean, obviously, I mean, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know, some people will we pray, they will shout, they will assault, they will, you know, do so many things. I don't think we appear to happen. And some other people will come there and just, they will just say, in Jesus' name, let this door be opened. Boom, and the door is opened. What's the difference? Spiritual authority. Jesus is saying, how do you grow in spiritual authority? Bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, you'll be able to command the resources of heaven. When your life is fruitful, heaven knows that everything, all the power they are giving you is going to be useful for them. Do you understand? It's useful for heaven. It's for their glory. It's for God's glory. It's not for your glory. So they will give you more power. Praise the name of the Lord. But if you know that all the power they give you is because you want to control your husband. You want to tell him, sit down, and he sits down. Oh, that's the anointing you want. You want to be able to oppress your wife. They will look for somebody else. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so you have to be fruitful. Tell anybody you have to be fruitful. When you produce much fruit... Jesus says in verse 8, You are my true disciple. 
see disciples. So the mark of true, a true disciple in, in Jesus is what? It's fruitfulness. The, the mark of a true disciples in Jesus, a disciple in Jesus is fruitfulness. And if you look at verse 18 fully, it says, when you produce more fruit, you are my um, disciple. This brings great glory to my father. Not just glory, great glory to my father. So, the purpose of bearing fruit is to, is to what? Bring great glory to who? To the father. The purpose of bearing fruit is not so that you can have a, you can have a name. It's not so that you can be a force to reckon with. This purpose of bearing fruit is so that it's not so that, oh, when they are saying these are the powerful women of God, your name will be, <laughs> that is not the purpose. The purpose is so that you can bring what? Great glory to the Father. It's, it's huge. And again, I'm, I'm stuck again in verse 1 because you know, I, I just keep going. Everybody, I'm developing this teaching. I keep going to verse 1. I can't seem to get past verse 1. Verse 1 is just, you know. Okay, so let's visit verse 1 again. It says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And, and this is the final of the seven I ams that Jesus spoke of in John. In the book of John. If you've been paying attention, you notice we've been dealing with the different I ams. This is the seventh and the final of them. The first one, Jesus said in John 6, 35. He says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. John 6.35. I am the bread of life. The second one, in, in John 8.12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am not only the bread of life that satisfies every soul. I am the light of the world that illuminates illuminate every life and every destiny. I am the light of the world. Everyone that works in me works in light. Everyone that doesn't work in in me was in darkness. So, it, and he went on and says in John 10, 9, that I'm not only the bread of life, I'm not only the light of the world, I am the door. I am the door. In other words, I am the door. You want to go to, want to, go to the next level, I am the door. I'm not only the bread of life. I'm not only the light of the world. I'm not only the door. I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I'm not only the bread of life. I'm not only the light of the world. I'm not only the door. I'm not only the good shepherd. Jesus said in, in John eleven twenty five to 26, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not only the bread of life. I'm not only the light of the world. I'm not only the door. I'm not only the good shepherd. I'm not only the resurrection of life. We learned last week, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. There's no one else in history that has made that kind of bold statement. No one else. 
I'm not only the bread of life, light of the world, door, good shepherd, resurrection and life, the way, the truth, and the life. It introduces us in verse 15, uh, verse 1 of John 15, that I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Praise the name of the Lord. And if, I mean, okay, let's give the Lord a big, big, big hand. And if we look at, I mean, honestly, I think we should just do a teaching on the I am's of Jesus. I just look at them again. It's so rich. It's so powerful. There's no way you will understand this and you will walk in defeat. It's impossible. It's impossible to walk in defeat. Impossible. You're hungry, the bread of life. Your soul is confused, the light of the world. You feel restricted and confined, the door walk through. You need direction, the good shepherd. You're dealing with a dead situation. I am the resurrection and the life. You want to get to the Father, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But I'm not just all this. I want you to be powerful spiritually also. So I am the true vine, you and the branches, so that you can bear fruit and you can do the works that I do by asking anything of the Father and it will be done for you. Praise the name of the Lord. So in Exodus 3, 13 to 14, we see this is the story when Moses protested and said to God, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you and they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Moses, just ask God, what's your name? I want to know your name. We don't know that long story of people ask me. You, do you know his name? Don't you want to know his name? Okay. Praise the Lord. So God replied to Moses, I am who I say I am. I am that I am. <laughs> say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Huge. So Jesus now comes and says, I am that I am. And in, because Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. The, the, the shadows of the things in the Old Testament, Jesus is the substance, the reality. So Jesus is saying, this I am, since you don't know what that I am means, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am that I am. It's beautiful. So, Jesus is I am. And I am means God is saying I am the God of the present. The God of now. I'm not just the God of the ancient. I'm not just the God of the future. I'm the God of now. Consistently relevant in the present. God is consistently relevant from generation to generation to generation. You can clap for him if you want to. It's awesome. 
consistently relevant. It was relevant <laughs> when there were analog clocks. It's still relevant when there are digital clocks. You know, some people, some children don't know how to read time again in analog. They don't. They, they just read 754 digital. But God is still God. It was God when you had to dial the telephone. It's still God when you are doing touch screen. It was God before Facebook, before Snapchat, before <laughs> Google, <laughs> before social media. It's still God now. Guess what? When Facebook, Google, social media become old, there's, there's a generation that will come. I will look at you. I say, you use Facebook? Dad, don't tell me you use Facebook. That's so old. It's coming. You can't phantom it. The same way the previous generation could not phantom the change. If you had a Walkman in those days, how many people use the Walkman? You felt, you felt, how did you feel when you use the Cool. They <laughs> say, Walkman, iPad, man. Because they can't understand. How can you be happy using a Walkman when you have an iPod? But with all the changes that has happened and all the changes that has happened, Jesus is still relevant. Jesus is still relevant. It's still God that I am in the present relevant. Verse 10 says, when you obey my commandment and you remain in my love, Verse 12, this is my commandment. Now, you know, sometimes when you read, when you obey my commandment, what you are thinking, what a lot of people think about when you read commandment, they are thinking of um, 20 do's and don'ts that God says you shouldn't do, so if you do, I'm going to whack your head. God says, in case you are thinking like that, let me explain what my commandment is. This is my commandment, love each other the same way I have loved you. God is saying, my commandment is love people around you. Love the brethren. How? The same way I have loved you. How did Jesus love? There's no greater love than this, than a man should lay down his life for his friends. So God is saying, love in a way that you can give your life for the person that is sitting beside you. So look at that neighbor again. I said, can you die for me? Ask them. <laughs> <laughs> they won't give you a response. Don't worry. <laughs> now, 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 <laughs> if they say yes, <laughs> change your seat. <laughs> now, many, and I'm joking, that's a joke. They should say yes, actually. We are not where we ought to be, but that's where we should be. Where we can put ourselves on the line for each other. That's what Jesus is saying. That is the love that I, I have for you. I want from you. John 13, um, 34. He says, it's a new commandment I give you. This is a new commandment I give you. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You can write that Ephesians 3, 19. We are going to skip it for time. We are going to jump straight to 
verse 18 to 21, 25. It says, if the world hates you, remember that it hates me first. The world will love you as its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. God is saying, you don't belong to the world again. Some people that used to love you, they will not like you again. Deal with it. And when you are persecuted for me, naturally, if they persecute them naturally, they will persecute you. A slave is not greater than his master. And on and on and on. And God is saying, Jesus was saying this was fulfilled in their law. They ate me without a cause. It was quoting Psalm 35 verse 19. They hated me without a cause. Don't think there has to be a reason for, if you are for God and people don't like you because you are for God. I mean, that's fine. In fact, today, more people are dying for Jesus than any time in history. Did you, do you know that? More disciples of Jesus are dying today than any time in history. Every month today, this current season, I mean, time in history, 255 Christians are killed. 255 every month just because they are Christians. 104 are abducted. 180 Women, Christian women, are either raped, sexually assaulted, or forced into marriage every single month. Yes, so people come to church, they are free to worship, and they complain that uh, rain beat them on the way. Just doesn't make sense, really. 66 churches every month are attacked. 160 Christians every month are imprisoned. And if you put up the world persecution chart, <laughs> we see the zones that Christians are mostly persecuted. Number one is there, North Korea. Those ones, <laughs> you're a Christian, you just butcher them or put them in labor camps. Or test their nuclear weapons on them. Maybe not, but at least they kill them. Number two is uh, Afghanistan. Number three. Where's number three? Somalia. Number four. Come on, you don't know about that. You know the way that is. That's Sudan. Number five. Where's number five? Under Afghanistan is Pakistan. Go and study your map. Because many of you are going to the nations to represent Jesus. Say amen. <laughs> As you are going to see the next verse. And Nigeria is number 14. Even higher than Egypt. Meanwhile, you are praying, and the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. How about the gods in Nigeria? <laughs> I am the Lord. <laughs> it is so amazing. And verse 26, Jesus says that with 
all these killings, with all these persecutions, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. It will come to you from my father. It proceeds from the father and it will testify about me. Then you must go and testify about me. So the, what all this fruitfulness thing is about is about being a witness of Christ. All this fruitfulness thing is about is about being a witness of Christ. And Jesus is saying you can't do it by your strength. You need the Holy Spirit. And interestingly, I mean, we've just had a series on the Holy Spirit on Sunday. You need the advocate, the, comfort, the comforter, the standby, the one that stands with you and empowers you. And the Holy Spirit is a person, as we learned on Sunday. It comes as a dove, but it's not a dove. It can come as a fire, but it's not a fire. It can come as the waters, but it's not the water. It's a person. And he's on earth today, and he's alive and well. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> and he's here with us, and in us. So if there's someone I want to take out to lunch on earth that is alive today, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. And let us just thank God for his word. Let's thank God for his word. If you are here, you, you want to give your life to Jesus, son. Or you are saying, Pastor, I used to be with God, but I'm not with God anymore. Can I come back? Yes, I want to pray with you. In any of those two categories, quickly put up your hands wherever you are, and we'll pray together. God bless you. Okay, so child. God bless you, sir. Is there a hand there? God bless you, sir. Anybody else? That's me. If they give you a card, you can put down your hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Once you have the card, you can put down your hands. That's me. Put up that hand. The rest of us, let's pray. And let's just say to God, Lord, make me fruitful. It's not by power or by might. Make me to be fruitful, to be, and cause my fruits to abide. Cause me to be fruitful, O God of heaven. Make me fruitful, O God of heaven. Make me fruitful. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. Lord, we pray for everyone surrendering to you here online. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you reveal yourself to them, Lord. Change these lives. Cleanse them with your word and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.